At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. This winter, we're taking a fresh look at a familiar story through our series, Jonah, At Odds with God. Tune in now as we face the same choice Jonah did, to receive God's mission or to resent it. I want to begin this morning by just asking you a real direct question. Does anybody here like to be disciplined? Anybody like to be corrected for your behavior? Anybody like to maybe take that next step and get punished for your actions? Anybody here in that, in that scenario? Well, I'm guessing most of us adults take that posture because we were probably grounded at least one time or another as children. Is that a safe assumption? Can I, can I make that assumption that we were all grounded at one point in our journey? Well, I want you to know that... Um, whether your actions at that time or even today were intentional and mean-spirited or perhaps accidental, either way, there are repercussions for our actions, aren't there? There are times where we need to be grounded by our parents because they would say, your behavior is just not tolerated, cannot deal with it. I want you to listen to a few reasons that I found online that explain why it is that people grounded their kids. This is the first one. It says, I was grounded when I shaved our family cat to make him look like a lion. Another young guy said, I broke a window in my house, (laughs) wait for it, with a wiffle ball. I tried to show my dad he didn't believe me. He said, that cannot be done. So do you know what he did? He broke another window (laughs) with a wiffle ball. Obviously, I was grounded. And then the last one, and if you have siblings, this one might mean a little extra to you. You know that huge eraser that says big mistake on it? That really huge thing? Well, my parents grounded me after I took that big eraser and rubbed it on my sister's face. (laughs) Truth is, sometimes we deserve swift correction, don't we? There are times in our lives where we need to be corrected, sometimes even punished. Well, today we are going to be looking at a portion of God's Word that highlights the importance and the significance and the value of being disciplined. We're going to see what God's Word says because I want you to know that there is there's a time in our lives where correction is needed. There are times in our lives where We need that correction, not just from a parent or a family member, but we need that type of correction from the hand of a loving God. So it is that God that I want to invite us to pray to right now, to pray with. Let's come before Him. Heavenly Father, we do thank You that You are sovereign. You are holy. You are righteous. You are worthy of our prayer and our attention and our singing and our love today. That we fail You on many, many ways. Just trying to walk out our daily lives, God. We stumble 
We make choices that lead us down the wrong path. And sometimes, God, we need you to minister to our hearts, to mold us and shape us. But you do that through the lives of other people oftentimes. God, today we want to confess to you that we need that. We need others in our lives who will speak truth to us. We need others in our lives who you use for your kingdom purposes. But God, in order for that to be effective, we have to have humble hearts. We have to have a humble-hearted posture before you, recognizing that you are sovereign, that you are holy and good. God, as we have engaged with many, many images of war this past week, God, our hearts are heavy. But what we've been shown, God, is we don't find our strength in governments. We find our strength from you. We find our strength in you. So God, would you meet with us now? Meet with us, God, as we open your word. Your word has everything we need to walk out our faith. It guides us and leads us, Lord. So would you give us eyes to see the truth that's found on its pages today? Give us ears to hear this truth and then humble hearts before you to walk out the truth in the week ahead. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, church, this morning we are continuing our look at the Old Testament book of Jonah. It is in a series called At Odds with God. Now, remember, Jonah is a minor prophet. That doesn't mean he was any less important, but what it does mean is that the book or the chapters that we read are shorter. There's fewer of those, and that's why it's called a minor prophet. It matters in terms of length. It's also important for us to remember that an Old Testament prophet, a guy like Jonah, his job, his responsibility was to go to a people who were walking in the ways that they shouldn't be and to call them to repentance. You're in sin. Turn. Repent. Now, to understand what I mean, let's walk through the setting ever so briefly as to what we've heard the first couple weeks as we looked at this series. God has asked Jonah to go to a place called Nineveh. They're a wicked people, and God says, Jonah, I want you to go, and I want you to call them to repentance. Jonah says, I don't want to go. I don't want to do it. But Jonah doesn't just refuse. He actually flees in the opposite direction. He runs the opposite way, but he doesn't just flee, he does it another way as well. Here's what I mean, Jonah goes down, down, down. I want you to catch that picture, not only today, but whenever you read the book of Jonah, watch the downward trajectory that Jonah takes in the story. He goes down from land into water, into the boat. He goes down from the boat into the belly of the ship. Eventually, he gets thrown overboard, so he goes from the ship into the water. From the water, he then goes one step further, and he is into the depths of the sea. 
capture that, remember that. Every time you read Jonah, God says go this way, he goes that way. God, as we know, is holy and righteous. So Jonah tries to run, going down, down, down. They all represent his desire to run away from God, to run away from the ways of God. So that's where we're going to pick up our story today. I want to encourage you to grab your Bible. We are going to be looking at the last verse of chapter 1 in Jonah and then the beginning of chapter 2. Jonah, and uh, you're going to find that on page 774 in your ESV Bible, or you can go ahead and read it behind me. Jonah chapter 1, verse 17 is where we'll start. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood will have surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. And then I said, I am driven away from your sight, and yet I shall look again upon your holy temple. The water closed in over me and to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. And yet you, you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. For those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, I will sacrifice to you what I vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish. And it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. What we just read highlights some really important truths for believers. I said when we began this series that it's really important for us when we read Jonah not to get kind of sucked into the idea that Jonah is the point of the story. The point of the story is God and the character of our God. And that's what we're going to see in terms of unpacking this text. This is a work of theology. It teaches us the character of our God. And so what we look at today, it teaches us that God is a loving Father who is kind and good and offers His grace. That's true. But we also see that God is a loving Father who offers us His strength through something that we'll refer to today as severe mercy. Can you guys say that with me? Severe mercy. You see, just like an earthly parent who provides discipline... They do that from a heart of love, don't they? We do that. As parents, we do that out of a heart 
of love. And that's what we see. That God offers His mercy. And sometimes, sometimes that mercy and that love is represented in intense, in severe, in difficult teachable moments. And that's what we are looking at today. So let's dig in to just that first verse. That's what we're going to look at when we see verse 17. Here's what we know of Jonah. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. Now, technically, verse 17 is really, it belongs in chapter 2. I'm not sure why the folks ordered it that way when they put in the numbers and the chapter verses, but it really connects with chapter 2. It's really the second act of Jonah's story. It's the second act of him being at odds with God. But the setting is one of internal angst, isn't it? We can see the angst in the heart of Jonah in all of the first chapter. And then we get to this point and something shifts. Something changes pretty dramatically in this particular text. The prophet now finds himself inside of a very large fish. I know that's difficult to wrap our minds around. I said this in week one. This is something that we believe is true. It's not just sort of a metaphor. This actually happened. We believe this is true. Now, if that's not difficult enough for uh, us to wrap our minds around, there's also an element of mystery to it. Here's what I mean. Verse 17 states clearly that the Lord appointed. The NIV translates that the Lord provided The New Living Translation says the Lord had arranged. All three of those translations suggest this truth, that God's sovereign power and authority is in play in this story and in all things. God's sovereign power and authority, even to the the point of employing a fish to rescue a drowning prophet. Now, if you know anything about the Scriptures, this actually shouldn't surprise us. Throughout the Scriptures, we see birds and lions and donkeys and other creatures that are used by our God to accomplish His purposes. You guys are familiar with some of those stories? If you're not, grab a children's Bible. You'll see them depicted right there. But all of these things should cause us to ask a couple questions, right? When we read that, God appointed a fish to rescue this rebellious guy. Why would God provide a fish? Didn't we just establish that God said, go this way, and Jonah went that way? Yes, we did. What we're looking at is a vivid picture of God's severe mercy. It was severe because it reveals the extreme measures that God took to keep Jonah alive. And it was merciful because God purposely acted in sparing Jonah's life. He didn't get what he deserved. Jonah did not get what he deserves. And this helps us see that God employs severe mercy to pursue us. 
God uses severe mercy to pursue us. You see, Jonah's rebellion doesn't leave him outside of God's mercy. Quite the opposite, actually. What we see is that God actually pursues Jonah, and in doing so, that is an act of God's mercy. Wrap your mind around that for just a moment. That is an act of God showing Jonah mercy. Now, to be clear, it's in the midst of the sin of disobedience that Jonah experiences God's pursuing love. It's in the midst of that, in the belly of the fish. Let's pause right there. Some of us might be thinking, well, that's a nice story, Pastor. I mean, really, that's a cool story. I've kind of got the idea. I'm glad that God did that for Jonah, but he is certainly not doing that for me. Not feeling it. Church, what I hope this text helps us see is that God might be using the pain in your life to recognize and help you see that He is pursuing you. That He is pursuing you. Now, here's what I mean. When we are struggling, when sin has taken a foothold in our lives, it is a gift of God to be exposed. It is a gift of God to be challenged. If you have brothers or sisters in your life who love you enough to call you out for your behavior, to call you out away from what you're doing, the sinful acts, the disobedience, if you have people in your life who love you enough, that is God pursuing you and seeking you in the midst of the mess. Church, it is a beautiful picture. Is it painful? Absolutely. It certainly can be. Can it be embarrassing? Of course. Nobody wants to be exposed. Is it for our good and for God's glory? Absolutely. Absolutely. This is why. This is why James writes these words in his epistle. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings him back, a sinner from his wandering way, will save his soul from death and will cover over a multitude of sins. Church, God employs severe mercy to pursue us in love. Now let's continue in the text. Let's pick it up at Jonah chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. And here's what he said. He said, I called out to the Lord out of my distress and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All of your waves, your billows passed over me. And then I said, I am driven away from your sight. Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me and to take my life. The deep surrounded me. The weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. 
Do you feel that? Do you feel the depth of what Jonah is talking about here? Jonah has been inside the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. That could not be very comfortable. It could not be very pleasant. And yet, that's how long it took Jonah to recognize his own heart condition. Three days. Three nights. And when he does, he makes a desperate plea to God in prayer. Let's look at the prayer just a little bit. It's a rich prayer that you and I can learn from. It's not just this abstract prayer that some guy said in the middle of trouble. It actually has some real poignant things that you and I can grab a hold of. He reflects on the mess that he's in. That's always a wonderful place to begin when we pray. Reflect on our situation. Reflect on where we are. Reflect for a moment. He says, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, out of the belly of Sheol I cried. He knows that he is in a bad spot. And then he acknowledges God's power in verse 3. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. All your waves and billows, they passed over me. He acknowledges God's power. And then when you get to the next segment, he shares his need for God. He said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall look again upon your holy temple. The disobedient, running prophet has been awakened to see his need for God and God's severe mercy. This gives us the second way that God employs severe mercy. He does so to awaken us. He does so to awaken our hearts. Now, as I mentioned earlier, Jonah had gone down, down, down from the land to the ship, from the ship to the hold of the ship, from the hold into the water, from the water down to the depths. He had to be taken there. To see the depth of his own rebellion. That's where Jonah could finally see his need for God. That's where he could finally see that he needed to turn from his ways and run to God and to his mercy. We can be stubborn like that too, can't we? I mean, if we're going to be honest here today in church, and it's always good to be honest in church, we can recognize and have that kind of, yeah, I understand Jonah. I understand his rebellion. God is asking me to run one way, and I desire to do the exact opposite. Is that where you are today? I mean, really. You're here in church, and you look good. Most of you. but you really don't want to be here. You're in church, and yet your heart is far from God. Maybe you're running in disobedience. You're running away from what God is calling you, and He is asking you to do. You know what God's Word says. You know what God's ways are, and yet you are choosing to live in rebellion in the most loving way that I can. I want to ask you, I want to encourage you to repent. Repent. 
turn from your prideful ways and run directly to God. Run to Him. Run to His mercy. Run to His grace. That is what we see Jonah doing and that is what God invites you and I to do. When we reach the depths of ourselves, when we reach the depths of our sin and our shame, God is merciful. God is gracious. God loves you. And He wants to awaken this in your heart. Church, I can say this with confidence because of what Jesus said in the third chapter of Revelation. He says, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Repent. Now let's turn to the final segment of chapter 2. We're going to see the final way that God's severe mercy impacts your life and mine. Let's pick it up at the second half of verse 6. And yet you brought up my life from the pit. O Lord, my God, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer, it came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. They give it up. But I, with a voice of thanksgiving, I will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And then in in verse 10, and the Lord spoke to the fish. There's God's sovereignty once again. The Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah up onto the dry land. A significant turn has taken place. God has been pursuing Jonah. God has awakened his heart. And in this section, Jonah is experiencing the love of God. We know this because of Jonah's confession. I remembered the Lord and salvation belongs to the Lord. Church, this helps us see our third way. That when God employs severe mercy, it impacts us to save us. God employs severe mercy. He uses severe mercy to save his people. As we read Jonah's experience within the fish, the subsequent confession of faith, we see the sovereign saving power of what? Of severe mercy. For some of us here this morning, it might be easy to dismiss this. You might say, well, that's a wonderful story that does not happen to me. Never happens to me. Happens to other people. And yet the reality is that salvation belongs to our God, and it's found in Him. You see, only in Him can we find rest for our weary souls. Only in God through faith in His Son Jesus can you and I find the experiencing of of life-altering forgiveness. Only in Him do we experience that. And then only in God are we free. Are we truly free to stop running and instead to walk in the ways of our Father. As we close today, I want to leave us with a story. It's a story of a man named John. Now, John is making a living in the 18th century. John is a guy who is a slave owner. Everybody around him knows that he's a vile, wicked man. They know this because he once said of himself, I had the ambition of a Caesar. 
And I wanted to rank in wickedness among the foremost of the human race. So if you're wicked here, I want to be wicked there. In March of 1748, a massive storm hit the ship that he was on. The storm took on heavy damage. And it was in the midst of this storm, in the worst moment of the storm, that John finally acknowledged that there was a God who hears prayers and answers prayers, and he came to him in repentance and in faith. This vile, wicked man. Today we know John. At least we know his work. This is John Newton, and he's the man who wrote the most popular song in the world, Amazing Grace. That's what God can do when He brings severe mercy into our lives. Church, it is with discipline in the form of this severe mercy that God pursues us, that God awakens our hearts and ultimately saves us. That's what He did for Jonah and that's what He can do for you. Perhaps today, perhaps today is the day that you will see for the very first time that God loves you. Perhaps today is the day that you will see that God desires to awaken your heart. Perhaps today is the day that you will see and that you will experience and you will finally respond in faith to the severe mercy that God is showing you today, perhaps today. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.